Welcome to TJH, your go-to podcast for all things journeying home to yourself. I'm your host, Hayley Curtis, Gene Keys and Women's Transformation Guide, here to encourage and usher you into remembering who you are by peeling back the veil on all things shadow work, self-love, self-worth, relationships, gene keys, breakthrough, awakening, and so much more. One thing I know to be true about you is that you are utterly magnificent. And here at the Journey Home Podcast, I will be walking hand in hand with you as you discover and remember your magic. Let the voyage begin. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Journey Home Podcast. Today, we're going to be diving into something that as I was writing the notes, I I don't have many notes, I've just written down my 11 things. As I was writing these notes today, I was feeling super tender and tears kept on coming up behind my eyes as I was writing them down and you know this this podcast is all about the ways that I support myself through chronic illness and suffering and ways that I have really supported myself through the darkest and deepest times but how I continue to support myself now because not much has changed in my external circumstances and in the circumstances of my physical body. What's radically changed is the way I approach it, is the way I support myself, is the way that I perceive it all. And so these 11 different ways I'll share with you today, they were making me so emotional and I'm sure there'll be some emotion that comes up today in the podcast recording because It's almost like I've forgotten how much I do to support myself because it's been so long now that it's become second nature, second nature to love and support myself through my life's journey. And yeah, that got me feeling all the feels today as I'm just typing this up being reminded of how much I have shown up for myself and how much I continue to show up for myself day after day after day, even when it gets really hard sometimes. Here come the tears. We're not even two minutes in. (laughs) I think today is the perfect day to record this episode because I'm experiencing a bit of a, what I guess you'd call a flare-up at the moment, but not really a flare-up. I'm also consider flare-ups when my body's in a lot of inflammation and a lot of pain, whereas um, what's happening with me today and has been for the last four or five days is uh, more my chronic fatigue is just going through a bit of a lull and I'm feeling uh, extremely drained. Um, chronic fatigue and adrenal fatigue and these different types of intense fatigue are, feel very different to just being tired. Um, I, I obviously felt tired <laughs> many times in my life. Most of us feel tired at some point on most days, but when it comes to um, actual chronic fatigue, it's a, it's a feeling that if you, if you let it, feels like it will sap away, zap away at your, your entire being, your soul. It feels like your soul has just left the building and, um, but I don't, I don't allow my soul to leave the building anymore. <laughs> However, 
on days like this I am a bit more tender and um, on days like this I, I support myself even more deeply which I think is why I'm so emotional because I never used to. It was days like this where I would support myself the least. It was days like this where I would hate myself the most. And now, they're the days I love myself the most, which is so beautiful. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing with you today 11 of the ways that this support shows up. And of course, there are so many more than 11. These are just what I came up with sitting there for seven or eight minutes, just having a little ponder. Um, I'll definitely do more episodes like this because I would say there's hundreds of ways in which I support myself or have supported myself over this journey, uh, navigating chronic illness, chronic pain and, and fatigue. But before we dive into the 11, I actually have a bonus one. <laughs> I could have just called it 12, but I feel like this is a bonus one because it really fits into just me showing up today and, you know, my bonus way I support myself is allowing myself flexibility in the way that I schedule my life, but not taking it too far where I just become flat out unreliable. And this is a bonus one because it relates directly to this podcast episode. I had committed to myself that I would release the weekly ponders on Mondays and I would release my longer episode on Thursdays. And today it's Thursday at 11 a.m. and and I usually release them at 7 a.m. and so this is likely going to come out on either Thursday night or Friday and so I gave myself flexibility. Yes, I had made a commitment to have these podcasts come out on Thursday mornings but because I have been experiencing really intense tiredness this week, I just allowed myself the flexibility to not have to push the episode to come out when I said it would. However, I'm not going so far that I go, well, screw it. I'm not going to do it at all and just skip the episode altogether, which is how I used to do it. I became very unreliable in for many, many years of my chronic health journey because I took the flexibility too far where I actually became a victim, you know, it was part of that victimhood where I felt like I couldn't do it at all or it would create anxiety to have to do anything. And so that that unreliable nature started to come through me. And so, yeah, it's a way I support myself now, finding that fine line between allowing myself the flexibility to work around my health, to work around my energy, but not you know, not trying to swindle my way out of things anymore and and refusing to become unreliable. And I've done a lot of healing my own word to myself over the last 10 years because my word and the things I said I was going to do started meaning nothing because I would never follow it up with actually doing it. And that was eroding away at my self-trust, at my self-worth and, and so many other things. And so that's a beautiful balance that I've created between flexibility but reliability. You know, I said I would be here and I'm here. And I'm not forcing myself to be here for you, more so for me. Not, of course, I'm here for you. <laughs> yes, this podcast is is for you and it's it's this yearning for service. But in terms of healing my word to myself, that's really for me to to really keep that bedrock of, of trust nice and firm, 
because I am building my life upon it and it has become very important to me. So that's a little bonus point before we dive into the 11. All right, let's dive in with my points here now. I just have written each point as one sentence and I just thought I'd see what wants to come through on that. Some of them may just be short and some I may peel back a bit further. We'll see. So the first way that I have learned to support myself through chronic illness and through suffering, actually, (laughs) before I say point number one, I need to say to you that Yes, these are ways I have supported myself through chronic illness. But if you don't suffer with chronic illness, I feel like this episode is still going to have so much power for you because we all suffer in some way, shape or form. And we all have our own piece of the suffering puzzle. And that suffering may be coming in the form of your relationships or maybe in the form of mental health, maybe it comes in the form of chronic illness, maybe it comes in the form of grief, or there are so many different ways that we humans suffer in our lifetimes. And I feel like even though these points are to do with navigating health, you can still take them and apply them to different areas of your life as well. And this could also help support you in those times where you are struck down with physical illness. Because it can be really difficult, even if it's just for a week or a month or maybe something that isn't feeling quite right in your body that you're navigating that isn't really ruling your life, but it's still there in the background. I feel like these points are going to help across the board. So number one, number one, accepting full responsibility for my health. This, I think, was the turning point for me in my health journey, accepting full responsibility for my health. Now, full responsibility is different than just a little bit of responsibility. And I think that like I'd taken a little bit of responsibility, but I was just looking for to find out what was wrong with me so that I could just become a victim of that label and then I didn't have to hold any responsibility because, oh, no, it's not my fault. I have this. It's not my fault. It's this. And in taking full responsibility for my health, it has empowered me beyond belief and has actually been the very thing that has allowed me to move forward. And even though there are factors in our health where – Maybe it wasn't us that created it. Maybe someone else did something that created that. Maybe, you know, for me, the way in which I ate growing up had a big impact on my health. And of course, you could, I could be easy to be like, well, it's my parents' fault for what they fed me and not giving me good enough boundaries around my food. But no, if I was to cast that blame elsewhere, it was just keeping me stuck right where I was with my health. And so even though it feels so uncomfortable to do so, I took full responsibility for my health. Full. That's really what it takes to move forward. And recognizing that there may be elements that I don't even realize have contributed to that that I created. You know, different ways that I was showing up in the world or different choices I had made. I'll never know what some of those were, but 
I needed to take full responsibility for what was happening in my body instead of, you know, without taking full responsibility for what was happening. It's like I was just trapped inside this body. I felt like I was a soul and a spirit that was destined to be living this gloriously thriving life where everything was perfect, but no, I'm trapped in this body that is shit. And I don't know why, but I'm stuck. The moment that we feel stuck and we place blame outside of ourselves, actually the moment we place blame outside of ourselves is the moment that we become stuck. And so taking that full responsibility was a huge turning point, a huge turning point. And us humans find that hard. We don't want to. We want to slap it with every single diagnosis under the sun and then hide behind that diagnosis as to why, well, this is it. It's not my fault. I have this. But I tell you what, when you start taking full responsibility for it, not full responsibility and now it's all my fault, full responsibility with self-love and self-forgiveness and empowerment to be able to blaze away forward, which is exactly what I did with my health. And I continue to take full responsibility for it. And that has allowed me to actually oh, find different things that help support me in my choices. Knowing that you cannot escape cause and effect. This was something that I wasn't wanting to come to terms with. And that's why I didn't want to take full responsibility for my health. Because I wanted to try and swindle the natural law of cause and effect. When you do this, you get this. And you've got to come into acceptance with that. And only when we take full responsibility for that cause and effect that's happening in our lives can we truly start to work with it instead of working against it. Let's go to number two. The second way that I've supported myself through chronic illness and suffering is letting go of the shame that I have attached to being unwell, which means that I can actually rest when I need to without it feeling like or meaning anything about my level of worthiness. Because here's the thing, I used to rest quite a lot. I, I was in forced rest a lot early on in my health journey where I just had to lie down and I just I had to sleep and all of these things. And so technically I was resting, but I wasn't really rejuvenating and I wasn't really getting the the qualities from that rest that I really needed because I was sitting in shame amongst the rest and guilt as well. But it was more shame for me than the guilt because um, I, I don't I don't really have the people-pleasing tendencies more so leans towards the guilt. I also had the shame of I should be better than this, you know. And yeah, that was blocking me from actually resting. I was resting, but it was really a waste of time resting because I wasn't truly resting because my mind was going round and round and round in these shame spirals, making me feel like a piece of shit for resting. And so I wasn't really getting the rejuvenation out of the rest. I was making it mean something about my level of worthiness because I have to rest right now because I don't have the energy to do things. I'm not worth taking up space. I'm a waste of space. What's the point? Am I ever going to have any level of worthiness ever again? And so the rest wasn't restful. Whereas now, 
now that I let go of that shame, the rest that I have is truly restful. The relaxation that I have is truly relaxing. I still catch myself sometimes where it's not and then I work through shifting that to really allow myself to rest. That's like this week, I've, I've napped during the day every day this week, which I haven't had to do for over a year, which is incredible, but I used to have to nap every single day. So I've had just a little, little setback and just letting myself nap without it needing to mean anything about my worthiness, about where I'm at. I didn't need to make it mean anything about the fact that, well, maybe I'm going backwards. It doesn't need to mean anything. I just let myself rest when I need to rest. End of story. You know, I'd always attach so many stories to my need for rest and relaxation. And it was actually the stories that were making me so exhausted and blocking me from receiving the beautiful nourishing nectar of the rest that I was taking the time to do, (laughs) but not really doing it. So if you're resting anyway, you may as well be really resting. You may as well be really rejuvenating. And so really looking at what kind of guilt or shame or level of worth do I attach to my need to rest? And how can I embrace that as just part of my life path and a very important part of the healing path? We can't try and heal ourselves with and refuse to rest, right? But a lot of us are resting We're just not truly resting. A lot of us are trying to relax, but we're not truly relaxing because we're attaching all of these stories to it. Number three. Oh, this is a really important one. I stopped looking for a quick fix. (laughs) Oh, this is huge. We live in a world of quick fixes. And especially if if you're journeying uh, chronic health issues, and you've done some Googling, which I'm sure you have, or you've looked on Instagram or anywhere for, for answers, your feed and your advertising and everything um, on your social media and stuff like that can become bombarded with people offering you a quick fix. There are no quick fixes in this world when it comes to anything that truly matters. There just isn't. And it took me a long time to come to terms with that, to come into acceptance with that. Because I was believing for many, many, many years that I just needed to find the right thing. I was looking for one thing. I was looking for one thing that was going to fix me. And so I would try all of the things. And what actually happens when you try some of these quick fixes out there is they send you even further backwards. Because a lot of them are, are not helpful for our body and then for our mental health it's not helpful because we're looking for the quick fix then when it doesn't work then you have to go through the the deeper cycles of grief and disappointment and dissatisfaction and those are the things that actually hurt us the most but we set ourselves up for that the moment that we search for a quick fix you know looking for the right supplement or the right doctor or naturopath or specialist or medication or breathwork session or the type of yoga or a special massage I can do or the right acupressure point, you know, looking for all of these things. When in actual fact, it's never going to be one quick fix, but a complete holistic 
patient path of ever so slowly bringing your life into alignment, ever so slowly following the breadcrumbs of self-love and openness and actually creating a long-term lifestyle that sees you start to flourish and thrive. Not the quick fix. And the other reason why a quick fix is never going to be the way is because our suffering came into our lives as part of our dharma for a reason. In our suffering are embedded lessons and in our suffering are embedded the diamonds that we're here to find, the gifts that we're here to bring to the world. And if there was such thing as a quick fix, you do not find diamonds quickly. You do not learn these deep lessons that change the course of your life like this. You just don't. And so while we're looking for quick fixes amongst our suffering, we're actually avoiding the true gift that was in it. And that's what I realized. And so I cut out all of the shit and all of these ideas that I would be able to heal myself in three months or if I just found this thing, I'd be healed. And that really started to set me on a more grounded path of healing, a more holistic path of healing. And was also part of that taking responsibility because I wanted a quick fix so I didn't have to take responsibility. I wanted a quick fix so I could escape cause and effect. So really I'm all just trying to, you know, I was teetering around the edge of just diving in to take responsibility for my life and to come into communion and harmony with, the, with nature and her laws instead of trying to, to beat them. You know, you, you can't outrun cause and effect. And you're not going to find a quick fix for whatever's going on in your life because it is this invitation to dig deeper. It's an invitation to walk a really deep path of of inner self-discovery and no quick fix is ever going to do that for you. So, you know, there's this level of acceptance that needs to happen that you're in this for the long haul, right? It's not about this acceptance of laying down and taking it that would be victimhood. It's not that, okay, I'm a victim to what's happening in my life. It's like, no, I'm going to accept where I'm at and actually walk walk the, the road that it really wants me to walk instead of teetering around looking for a quick fix. So next time that someone tries to offer you a quick fix or you see an ad pop up on your Instagram or your Facebook about a quick fix, either run the other direction <laughs> and, oh, no more subscribing to that. Or if you do want to utilize some of these things, see them not as a fix, but as a portion of the holistic nature of your life. So yes, you can use a supplement, but don't like put all of your eggs in that one basket of this supplement's going to heal me. You can utilize a supplement, but it's just one little dot in thousands of others that will come together to paint the full picture of your life moving forward and your health, right? Number four, letting go of my need for people to understand what I'm going through and knowing that if I do want someone to understand, well, then it's up to me to help them to understand. Oh, this one was such a doozy for me for so many years where I was, I would get so down about the fact that people didn't understand 
And again, this is this was like a part of the victimhood, being a victim to what was going on in my life and being a victim to other people's level of understanding of what was going on in my life. And it used to cut me so deep when people would say certain things like, I'd hear a friend say to me like, oh, I had a really bad stomachache last night. And I thought to myself, oh, poor Haley, that she has to go through this. You know, that's a nice thing for them to think of me. But in my victimhood, that would cut me so deep because I'm like, if you were comparing a, a tummy ache that you had when when every day everything functions fine to my years and years and years of 24-7 chronic pain, I just felt so misunderstood. I felt so misunderstood or um, – or, you know, other things people would say, like when I'd show up somewhere on, on the rare occasions when I would show up, people would be like, oh my gosh, you're glowing. You're just looking amazing. Oh, you must be doing so well. And again, it's so nice for someone to say that, but me and my victimhood at that time, it would just cut me so deep because I'm like, ugh, the moment someone thinks I'm radiating health because my skin may have looked nice. I just felt so unseen in the deep pain that I was journeying through and just like, ugh, it bogged me down. It bogged me so deep down, feeling like no one understood me. But then one of the pennies that dropped for me was, well, Haley, if you want people to understand you, you have to help them to understand. And I had to take responsibility for the fact that People didn't understand what was going on because I was hiding away. I wasn't telling people what was happening. Bevan understood because he would see me behind closed doors at home every day, just limp and swollen and exhausted and crying and broken. He saw all of that. He fully understands what I went through. But my friends, my family... Other people out there on the internet who don't get to, who weren't seeing me behind closed doors, how could I, I had no right to expect them to understand if I wasn't being vulnerable to help them to understand, right? And so I had to come to this acceptance. And through this acceptance, I decided, okay, well, I can either accept that they don't understand and that's okay. And if I don't want to accept that person not understanding, well, then it's on me to help them too. And I just put it all back on myself. Again, this leads straight back to that first point of taking full responsibility. So I started taking full responsibility for whether someone understood me or not, based on whether I was helping them to understand or not. And then also, if I wanted to help someone understand, I had to also come to the acceptance that that would take time and just by explaining it once to someone didn't mean that they'd suddenly get it and that's okay because it's not their responsibility to understand me that's my responsibility and so if I wanted to feel understood it was me who was going to gift that to myself no one else needed to make me feel understood it was really me all along that was the deepest pain was that I didn't understand me and that I didn't get it because I was teetering around the edge of all of my own problems, remaining victim to them. And so letting go of that was so freeing, so freeing. 
And this is something I still deal with now. Um, sometimes even more so now because I have come such a long way and because I support myself so deeply in this, it's not very seen. People don't tend to see Haley unwell because I'm when I am feeling unwell I'm like in my beautiful loving cocoon supporting myself and then when I show up in the world I'm, I'm showing up with with this beautiful energy with the big smile on my face with the radiant aura absolutely and so then because of that there is less understanding again and people can assume my health and that's okay <laughs> have to be okay with that right people that just see my Instagram stories or maybe just see me when I go and catch up with them for lunch when I'm feeling great of course they're going to assume that I I'm just doing well all of the time and I can't let that hurt me or bog me down anymore because that would just be pointless and so that also comes with if there's someone that's important that they understand where I'm at who are very close to me, I'm just vulnerable and I just share exactly where I'm at. Or I actually let myself show up somewhere with a loved one when I'm not feeling great and, and let that be okay too. Actually let them see me when I'm in those times. That's something beautiful that's really happened between my best friend and I where I actually, when I'm feeling really not good at all and I'm flared up and I'm exhausted and she might invite me over, I go and I lay on her couch like a little zombie <laughs> and just receive her love and, and still have love of my own to share when I'm like that too. Nothing changes. I'm still me. But I allow myself to be vulnerable so that I can be understood. And it's been a beautiful dance between her and I in this journey because chronic health issues is not something she's ever faced before in her life. And so she's been very open with me of like, oh, she goes, I'm trying to understand, but it's hard for me to understand what you're going through because I've just never experienced anything like it. But then just in me continuing to be open and vulnerable, and she, she starts to see it and she, she starts to get it and starts to understand it. Not that she has to and not that I need her to, but it's just a beautiful thing to journey together. And so part of this point four of, of, of this whole thing around understanding is just letting people in sometimes and then the people that I don't want to let in will then have no expectation on that person to understand me then. That's all on me. And that's been very, very helpful in, in navigating this path. So I tell you what, navigating a road where you just feel misunderstood at every turn can be crushing, absolutely crushing. And that's where I would get a lot of social anxiety and I wouldn't want to go to a party, I wouldn't want to go out for dinner, I wouldn't want to go to this person's birthday or that because I felt, I felt crushed under the weight of people's expectations of how I should show up. And those expectations were just my own projections based on my lack of vulnerability and openness. So I had to take responsibility for that. And it's been life-changing. Number five. Number five. Just allowing myself to be unwell and grounding deeply into my worth and my wisdom right there 
and no longer subscribing to the idea that I need to be in thriving health in order to live a deeply fulfilling life. Man, this this is quite in contrast to what we're taught. You know, the old sayings like your health is your wealth. Like even just that saying, your health is your wealth. For someone who is experiencing lackluster health, what does that mean? That I'm just poor and I can't prosper? Does that mean that life is shit unless my health is thriving? And I used to buy into that. For so many years, I bought into that. That in order for me to be fulfilled, in order for me to have purpose, in order for me to be happy, my health must be thriving. Thriving. Right? And that was just such a lie. And I have slowly deconstructed that over time, which has now allowed me to just be unwell if I'm unwell. And again, this isn't about becoming victim to being unwell. It's not about throwing in the towel and going, okay, I'm unwell. What's the point? I'm just not going to try anymore. It's not that. It's not that at all. I still support myself in all of these ways and I believe that I'm going to continue to get better. But as I continue to get better, can I be completely content right where I am in the process? Because until I'm content here and until I love myself here, I'm not going there, right? You don't get to that point until you love yourself and you learn your lessons in the now. And so I just let myself be unwell. And that has just revolutionized the way I experience day-to-day life. Because every time in the past that I'd feel unwell, which for many years was 24-7, there wasn't a moment where I didn't feel unwell, which meant there wasn't a moment where I didn't feel unworthy. There wasn't a moment where I didn't feel like I was failing at life. There wasn't a moment where I didn't feel like fulfillment was out of my reach. Whereas by accepting and just allowing myself to be unwell and grounding into my worth here, grounding into my wisdom here, I'm able to be deeply fulfilled here in the pain, in the suffering. And because of the fulfillment and the love I experience in the pain and the suffering, that becomes the very fuel that allows me to keep putting one foot in front of the other to keep getting better. The acceptance of where I am, right? Just allowing it. We fight being unwell. And we need a certain level of fight, right? Like, like I said, it's not about laying down and being like, oh, I'm a victim now to this and there's no point. That level of fight in us is more this just I'm worthy. It's like a fight for I can, I can fight for my fulfillment and my magnificence right here. It's not a fight against the health itself where we believe we have to defeat that before the joy can come. And it's, it can be a subtle difference sometimes, but a really, really important one. Because if we don't allow ourselves just to be right where we're at, we are signing up to be miserable. And I was miserable for so long. And now I just get to be in my own life. And I'm not feeling great today. And I'm probably going to have a nap after this and I'm quite uncomfortable and my tummy's hurting and my lower back's hurting. But I'm here because I know that I have wisdom to share right here, 
even when I feel like shit because I know that this is deeply fulfilling for me and so I'll do it and then I'll rest and I'm just allowing the whole thing. And that leads me to point number six. One of the biggest ways I've supported myself through my suffering and chronic illness is celebrating my suffering as being the birthplace of my magnificence. Actually celebrating it. Like this is taking it to the next level. It's not just acceptance. It's not just a, oh, I'll let this happen or I'll understand it. No, I celebrate it now. Legit. Celebration. (laughs) Man, do I have to say that a few more times? Celebration. I celebrate myself in my suffering. And that has happened over time from hindsight. You know, it, it used to be I remember when I was in the thick of it and I would used to write in my journal about one day I will look back and I will rejoice in this suffering. And I used to write about how I, I just I looked forward to the day when I'd be able to rejoice right in the middle of it instead of just after the fact. Because we often do that, right? We go through challenge, we go through suffering, and then in hindsight, we're like, whoa, look at how far I came through that. Like I can learn to honor my suffering because of the way it grows me in character and spirit and takes me down the paths in life that meant, it's meant to take me. But now it's not only hindsight, because yes, I have hindsight of everything I've been through, but now I bring that to the present as well in honoring my suffering and celebrating my suffering as being that birthplace of my magnificence, of my wisdom, of my life's work, of everything. Everything that is good in me was born from the ashes of the fire of my suffering. Before I got knocked down with chronic illness, I was selfish, I lacked integrity, I, uh, I was blind to who I truly was, I was caught up in false ideas of success and failure, I thought that my worth was in the way that I looked, I thought that I had to have validation to be worth anything, all of these things was Haley pre-suffering and through my suffering and the humbling process that it has been I have found my true self and I have dug deep in in that soil and I have birthed everything that is good in me everything that I love and honor about myself now came directly from my suffering And so who would I be not to celebrate that? Not to have deep reverence for that path that I have walked. And of course, there comes times where I go, haven't, hasn't it been enough yet? (laughs) When will this ever end? It's coming up 13 years now and I'm like, when will this ever end? Have I, please, have I not just gotten enough of my gifts yet? (laughs) I have moments like that. And then I remind myself, no, no. No, if I'm still suffering and I'm still walking through this, it means there is still more gold to find. There is still more magnificence to be found within me, which is going to be brought back into the world as service. And I'm willing to go. I'm willing. And that's also something that I used to write for my journal 
in the years of real darkness where I would just say, I'm willing. If this has to be my path and if this is the way that I have to walk in order to be who I'm meant to be, I'm willing. I'll go. If it means that I have to go to be able to bring whatever it is that I'm here to bring, to maybe offer a hand to whoever I'm meant to offer a hand to, I'll go. And I've really deepened that willingness over time to the point that it's become celebration. Right? It used to be like a, oh, I'm really scared, but I'll go. And now I'm not scared anymore. I celebrate and I rejoice in my suffering because I know that it just means that the next breakthrough's around the corner and the next diamond is about to be found. And that diamond isn't just for me. It's for all of us. And if that's what I have to do to find them, I'm going to do it. And of course, sometimes I wish that that didn't have to be my path. But it is. And it's actually so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And the, the more I just allow myself to be unwell and the more that I celebrate, the more I actually see the beauty in the suffering. It's it's such a beautiful thing. The, this, this process of transmutation that occurs within the deep darkness of suffering it's actually the only place that some of this can occur. And so it, part of the vision that I hold for myself and my life that my heart pulls me towards continuously is this flowering of deeper understanding of, of life and why we're here and how we can navigate this road. In order for me to live out that vision, I must continue going into the depths of suffering. How else am I going to find the way, <laughs> right? And so I celebrate it. And on those mornings when I wake up and I'm just not doing well physically, I'm still thriving emotionally and mentally. And that's where these tears are coming from, of just such gratitude and appreciation that that's a point that I've gotten to in my journey. But I've gotten here through toil and effort and dragging myself through the mud dragging myself I'm willing let's keep going I'm willing let's keep going and and I'm out of the mud now and I'm floating down the river <laughs> just celebrating what my life is I was actually always in the river I just had this perception that I was in the mud so it's just sort of accepting my path and, and the sooner we accept our path, the sooner we start to feel fulfilled by it. Because if we're expecting our life needs to be different than what it is right now for us to be fulfilled and happy, you'll be in the mud. That's what the mud is. That's what swimming upstream against the current of your life is. Waiting for it to be different than what it is for you to be happy. How can you have it right here? How could exactly what's happening in your life right now be perfectly orchestrated for you to be able to find the things within you that you came here to find so that you can serve in the way that you came here to serve? Because another thing that this allowing 
does for your life and what it's done for my life is I've given myself permission again to to live my life, to go places, to do things that I didn't before because I wasn't allowing the sickness and I wasn't accepting the sickness that I was fighting it and then thought that, well, I can't go to that because I'm not going to be well enough. And that's where all this anxiety came from. I project forward of all of the reasons why I wouldn't be able to go to that thing because I'd be so sick. Whereas now with this allowing myself to be unwell, if I have something I know I'm going to in two weeks' time, instead of projecting forward being like, oh, but what if I'm sick and I can't go? I now know, well, if I'm sick and I'm not feeling good on that day, I can just show up sick. <laughs> I can just show up not feeling my best physically, but I'm still all of me and I'm safe to do things no matter what my energy is doing, no matter what my pain's doing. At the very same time as I'm safe to not go as well. Because if it is really that bad, I'm totally okay with being honest and vulnerable and not going. But that is all birthed from, it's all birthed from the acceptance and that celebration. Number seven, I've supported myself by deepening my understanding of the cycles and the rhythms of life and gently ushering myself towards harmony with nature and her rhythms. And this has been a lot of slowing down, right? The rhythm that we run at as humans, we're so off kilter because we're running at a much faster rhythm than what we're supposed to be running at. We're meant to come into harmony with the rhythm of nature and um, like Gaia has a heartbeat and it's the shaman resonance and it moves a lot slower than what our rhythm is. But that's our true rhythm. And when I say rhythm and when I say slowing down, I don't mean outwardly slowing down. You don't have to clear your schedule and do nothing in order to slow down. This is about slowing down on the inside, an internal slowing down. This is where you bring nurture and love to your nervous system and you slow down. Because you can be in an outwardly busy life and you could be in fight, flight, freeze mode. And that is like a really fast rhythm happening in your nervous system. Or you could be in the exact same busy schedule and be in a nice, calm, slow rhythm within you. So it's not about the outside. This is about internally. And so just, I've really taken my contemplation and my pondering to places around rhythm to things like the seasons, to things like the moon cycle, to things like the menstrual cycle, to my breath, to my heartbeat, to the flow of my lymphatic fluid, like wherever there is rhythm, just pondering that more. And the more I've pondered the rhythms of nature, the more I've felt invited into coming into harmony with those rhythms. And I've shared this a few times on the podcast already, like as I've done this, my menstrual cycle returned after nine years of, of not having one. And this is all to do with rhythms. Coming into the rhythm of being a woman versus trying to force myself to be in the masculine, like there's so many different ways in which I've done this, but it's all just been birthed through openness to contemplate and really birthed through nature, just watching those rhythms you know, 
even watching if you've got a pet, like watching my dogs really helps with seeing rhythm in, in how much they rest and then when they play, how they're just so present in their play and then they're just so unapologetic in their rest, like what a beautiful rhythm. And so even when they're like excited and outwardly it's like a fast pace, they're still, they're not anxious on the inside. So just coming into this deep and deeper understanding of rhythms and cycles and seeing where I wasn't in true alignment with those rhythms and cycles. Because if I was feeling anxious and if I'm feeling off kilter and if I'm feeling worried, it's because I'm out of rhythm. And so the question becomes, how do I gently usher myself back into that rhythm? And this is where there is no quick fix for that. (laughs) You don't recognize one day that you're out of rhythm and the next day you're in the shaman resonance. No such thing as a quick fix when it comes to that. This happens slowly and gently over time through contemplation. And that's been a, it's, that's been in the background of my life. It's not like I've honed in on and focused on that for a season. I've just been gently in the background, really coming into deeper and deeper alignment with those rhythms. All right, number eight, finding the fine line between complaining and expressing where I'm at. Hmm. This has been a really important one and one that I am still consciously working on. And it's been years. (laughs) This stuff takes time. So complaining about my health versus expressing myself and being honest about my health. That can sometimes be a very subtle difference but a massively different manifestation in what it does in my life. So I have found it very difficult to shift in this way and I've come such a long way, but it's been hard because when you're feeling such pain and such fatigue in your body, it's, it feels just so natural to complain about it. Like, ugh. Oh, this is happening. Oh, that's happening. And then it was really hard when I realized that that's what I was doing. It was really hard to find that fine line between, okay, because then I stopped complaining, but then I felt like I wasn't honoring myself enough. And I felt like I was being dishonest to Bevan where I was just pretending then like I was okay when I wasn't. And then again, that led back into feeling misunderstood because it's like I was hiding from how I was truly feeling in my attempt not to complain. So it's not about not saying anything. It's about finding the way that you can safely express how you're feeling without it turning into a complain or blame game. And that takes trial and error. (laughs) And I'm still learning how to do that. Or I might complain and I catch myself and then I reframe. And I'll be like, oh, I just complained about that. Actually, what I was wanting was I was wanting you to understand me. Because when we do complain about something to another person, really at the depth of that complaint is we're wanting that person to understand us. But in our complaint, we can sometimes push them away more or we can create tension between us and that person instead of understanding, which is what we're really craving. Or when I'm complaining, what I'm really craving is just love. So 
in an attempt to get that love, I may complain to Bevan and really all I wanted was a hug. And so then just stopping before the complaint and going, okay, I can tell that I'm wanting to complain about that. What am I really searching for here? Am I searching just to be loved or am I searching to be understood? If I'm searching just to be loved, well, then instead of complaining, I say to Bevan, Bevan, I love you. And guess what he says back? I love you. And we share this beautiful eye contact. I feel loved in that moment. Ah. But if I'm really seeking to be understood and I'm feeling like I need to be honest, well, then I'll reframe in a way that I'm just letting him know how I'm feeling, but in a non-victimhood way, in a empowered, taking full responsibility for myself way, but just letting you know that this is where I'm at. And that has created um, a beautiful aroma within my marriage because Bevan's definitely the person I would complain to the most. Um, you know, our the person we love the most in the world is often the one that cops the most of our shadow patterns and the most of our complaining energy. And so when we realize, like, what was my purpose of that complaining? And you find that you're just wanting to be loved, you're just wanting to be understood. Well, then we can reroute that to actually receive what it is that we're wanting to receive. And of course, when it's love that you're wanting, yes, I can say I love you to Bevan and, and receive that love for him, from him, but I can also give it to myself as well. And so that then comes back to, oh, I'm just wanting to love myself in this moment. How can I accept myself for right where I'm at right now? I love myself right where I'm at right now. And that can really heal that complaint too. And when you then come from that place of deep self-love, you're able to communicate in a way that helps people to understand you without it being this victim blame complaint game. So that's been a really important piece to the puzzle for me as well. Number nine. Catching myself in comparison and grounding myself back into the now and back into me. Comparison is something whew, that will just drag you down if you are journeying through chronic health issues or through suffering of any kind because it's very easy from your own place of suffering and like when we get in the victimhood of our own suffering, it's very easy to then look at everybody else's life, compare yours to theirs and be like, well, they have it so much easier than me. Or if only I could be like all of them, like good for them being able to have energy, good for them being able to have the thriving business because they don't have chronic illness or good for them to be able to, you know, have the, the family and the this and the that and the traveling because, well, their health lets them do that, but I can't. You know, that, that comparison game did nothing but just suck the life force out of me. Suck it out like, ugh, like I was a bucket of water and I just stabbed a giant hole in the side. <laughs> and it was really difficult for me to stop doing this because it was quite um it was quite subconscious. Sometimes I'd consciously compare, but it was like it was a program running in the background of my mind, constantly comparing. And I even noticed I would do it constantly when watching TV or a movie. So the whole time I'd be watching that movie, I'd have a subconscious program going in the background telling me about why they are different from me because they don't have to suffer like I suffer. 
And that was doing nothing but separating me from everyone, isolating myself from the world, and isolating myself from myself. And then also in me comparing to other people's lives, I was discounting other people's suffering. And, and making it some kind of suffering hierarchy of who's in the most pain, m- making that mean anything. And in doing so, really dishonoring other people's journeys. Because even if somebody can eat food without pain and even if someone isn't extremely fatigued all of the time, they have their own fair share of suffering that they journey through that maybe I'll never have to experience. And so by me comparing, it was dishonoring myself, dishonoring them, dishonoring life. And so in order to heal that comparison and to help support myself more beautifully in my chronic health journey, again, this all comes back to this acceptance, like really accepting my piece of the interwoven nature of life. Like if all of life was one giant puzzle, I've got my piece. And this is, this is my piece, my suffering, my joy, my love, my happiness, all of it. All of it is my piece. Can I just be my piece? <laughs> Instead of comparing my piece to other pieces, thinking I need a change, the moment that I think I need to change my piece, I can't fit it in the puzzle anymore. Just stick your piece in, Hayley, and be that piece. Be fully that piece. And in being your piece of the puzzle, you actually create Peace, P-E-A-C-E, peace. There's a lot of peace and calm that comes with just the acceptance of this is my path and catching yourself in that comparison, knowing that it's doing nothing but leaking any life force that you have out of your bucket. And that's too precious to throw away on comparison. Too precious. Because none of that even matters. Just ground deeply back into yourself. And in doing so, in grounding more deeply into myself and into where I'm at right now, it has allowed me to have so much more compassion and love for other people. I was so isolated from other people in the depths of my suffering because I, I was buying into the idea that my suffering separated me from everyone else. And that's what it will do at the shadow frequency. At the shadow frequency, our suffering isolates us from, from one another. But at the gift frequency, our suffering is the very thing that connects us back with one another. It's the very thing that creates our humanity, our understanding, our compassion, our empathy, our love for each other. That's birthed through just fully accepting our own suffering, being with it, feeling it, finding the diamonds in it. And then we remember how connected we are to each other. And we're able to love each other so much more deeply, which has also been very healing for me. To remember that I'm not alone. I'm not isolated. The only time I feel isolated is when I isolate myself. And that's really important to remember. Number 10. And I think this could be the kind of overarching number one way that I have supported myself long-term over the last 13 years is seeking to know and love myself more deeply above all else. 
That is the number one place of seeking in my life. To know and love myself and understand myself more deeply and more deeply and more deeply. And that's really what has sent me on this entire path of the inner work and the journaling and the gene keys and just being with myself and unlocking all of these other ways that I support myself is by first doing this, by seeking to know, love and understand myself. Because the, other, the old me, when I was stuck in the mud, the thing I was seeking was wellness. That's what I was seeking. Wellness, 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 wellness. But when I was seeking wellness, I was trying to boycott the very foundation of that wellness. And that is to deeply know, love and understand yourself. It is in knowing, loving and understanding yourself that true health is built upon anyway. And so as long as I was just seeking wellness, I was missing the point. And so now when I have my days, I mean, I say when I have my days, it's every day. <laughs> every day I'm experiencing this suffering at some degree. Just some days are worse than others. And so every day when I come up against this suffering, the thing that I say, all right, how can I seek to know, love and understand myself even deeper? Because that's all it is. It, that's what the invitation is. That's what suffering invites us into. Knowing, loving and understanding ourselves deeper. That's all. And so by allowing that to be the thing I seek above all else, it brings purpose to my suffering. It brings purpose to my pain. Pain without purpose and suffering without purpose is agony. Agony. It's overwhelming. It makes you feel stuck. It makes you start to hate yourself makes you start to hate life and all along it had purpose we just didn't see it because we didn't take enough time to seek to know love and understand ourselves amongst the suffering which is where we find the purpose in our pain and that's really been my last 10 years and what has revealed everything else to me is figuring out that poor that is, that is the path. We can think that we're on all of these different journeys, like, okay, the journey to wellness, the journey to having more money, the journey to finding the right career, the journey to finding the love of my life. We think that we're on all of these different journeys, but really at the end of the day, there's only one journey that exists and it's the journey into oneself because every other journey stems from that place. Just through knowing, loving and understanding yourself. It is, it is the journey. <laughs> and so by focusing on that, everything else begins to make sense. Everything else falls into its beautiful purpose. Oh, and it just takes the weight off my shoulders. And it just allows me to be in my life and to find the beauty right here. This is the whole point. It is in seeking to know, love and understand myself above all else 
that has allowed me to release so much of the pressure, has allowed me to release so much of the shame and all of these things that were making me feel stuck. It's been in doing that that I've created this holistic path forward, that I've let go of the quick fixes and all of this because I've been walking the only journey that truly matters, the journey into myself. And that brings me to point number 11. And these were not in any particular order, by the way. (laughs) But number 11 is I've supported myself in my chronic illness by creating a life that accommodates for my health and the reality of my physical body at this point in time, instead of trying to force myself into an unattainable lifestyle and then feeling like a failure. Ooh, (laughs) man, I spent so many years trying to force myself into the life that I thought I should be living. Right, like, like I was a square trying to force myself through a round hole. And guess what happens? You become more exhausted. And like I said, you end up feeling like a failure. And it's not because I'm failing. It was because I set an unattainable goal, an unrealistic expectation on myself of what I needed to be doing and what life needed to look like in order for me to thrive. And so over the last, I mean, when did I quit teaching once and for all? 2020? Yes, 2020. I think it was March. March or April 2020, I quit teaching once and for all. And since then, that was really when I began paving the way of creating a lifestyle that accommodates for who I actually am. And I could only accommodate for who I actually am by accepting who I actually am. I could only accommodate for my suffering by accepting my suffering. Not by laying down and taking it and saying my life's going to be shit forever. But by saying, okay, this is happening. I am experiencing this. I'm not going to find a quick fix. So this is going to be a long-term road. How could I enjoy, love and feel fulfilled in my life? while I'm walking that road? What would that look like? Man, that question is a revolution in itself. A revolution to ask that question because it goes against everything we were taught that we should be doing. When I stepped away from teaching, so many people, ah, why are you doing that? No, you can't do that. How will you earn money? Isn't that so terrible to do that to Bevan now he has to be under so much more pressure oh no now the kids aren't going to have you're not going to have an impact like all of these judgments from the outside of of why I was wrong for doing that but I knew inside of me that if I kept going this way and kept trying to force my square self through a round hole I would eventually hit a point where I just could not keep going anymore and I was pretty much at that point anyway And so in order to experience life differently, I had to change the life I was living. And I had to let go of my pride, my pride that wanted to appear to be successful, my pride that wanted to appear like I had it all together and like I was just smashing life, doing all the things. I had to let go of that, of my ego 
shed it all back, strip it all back and say, okay, what is a realistic lifestyle that's going to support me right now? And for a couple of years, that was a very, very stripped back lifestyle where I literally was in hibernation, deep healing mode for a couple of years. Hardly went anywhere, hardly did anything, not out of anxiety like I used to in my suffering, but out of just honoring and accepting where I was at and supporting myself in my health. And, oh, I came so far in those couple of years, which then allowed me to continue shifting and changing and adding things to my lifestyle as I could continue to accommodate for myself as I was expanding on that journey. And what slowly happened since the start of 2020, when I radically changed my lifestyle, is yes, I spent those those months and you know years, a couple of years of being deep in that isolation, um, not isolating through fear but through love. But that has resulted in my lifestyle now that was built upon the foundations of that, where I now have this beautiful business that I run with clients that I love and I've got a freaking podcast I mean what the hell (laughs) and I do all of these things my days are so full I work around 40 hours a week now sometimes more sometimes less but I never thought that that was possible for me but it's because I do it while accommodating for myself instead of in opposition to myself so now I work the same amount of work hours as what I was working as a teacher however those work hours as a teacher was in opposition to myself was in opposition to the reality of my body and and what it was capable of in that point in time whereas now I'm able to work those same hours but it's in alignment with myself it's in flow with myself it's accommodating for myself and the this lifestyle that I've built where I get to work when I'm feeling well and I get to rest when I'm not. That didn't miraculously come into the form. It wasn't a quick fix. That, this lifestyle that I have now is built upon Haley seven years ago who first put pen to paper. This lifestyle I've built now is built upon Haley when she was in the absolute pits of darkness and wanted to give up who said, I'm worth fighting for. I'm worth getting to know. I know that I have to do something, (laughs) otherwise I'm not going to be here much longer. It was her who built this lifestyle, not some quick fix. It was digging in, coming to a place of acceptance, releasing the guilt and the shame, you know, understanding suffering at a deeper level, finding the purpose in my pain has allowed me to build this lifestyle. And so I, I'm, I'm not saying that if you're experiencing chronic illness that you need to change your lifestyle tomorrow. I'm saying start digging in and start finding the purpose in your pain and then start to look at how can I be accommodating for myself better. You know, I started accommodating for myself even before I left teaching. Leaving teaching was a piece to that accommodation puzzle. And it was one of the harder ones to do because I had a lot of worth and identity and guilt and shame attached to that one. So it took a bit longer, but I eventually got there. But in the meantime, I was accommodating for myself in the way I showed up as a teacher. 
I was accommodating for myself in the way that I would say no to extra curricular things that I was asked to do because I knew I didn't have the capacity. I accommodated for myself by getting up at 5 a.m. every morning and sitting in my office and really digging in and setting myself up for the day and, and really regulating my nervous system. I accommodated for myself by at recess and lunchtime instead of going and sitting and having a bitch in the staff room, I'd close myself in my little like storage unit thing and, and lie down and breathe for 10 minutes. You know, I'd accommodate for myself in all of these different ways while I was getting to know myself, while I was bringing purpose to my pain, which eventually led me down continuing the path of accommodating. So the question is, what's just one thing I can do to better accommodate for myself and my life as it is right now? Even if you're not suffering with chronic illness, but maybe you're stressed. Maybe you are stressed out as fuck. If you are super stressed in the lifestyle that you are living, it is because your lifestyle isn't accommodating for the reality of who you are. Your lifestyle isn't accommodating for the natural rhythms of yourself and your body. What might it look like to start being willing to accommodate a little bit more, even if it means going against the grain? Because we have to. The world that we have built, the the hustle culture and the way in which that we're forcing ourselves to be in this very stressful rat race type of world is going to have to crumble. And it is. It's begun. It's going to have to crumble to make way for this new harmonious way of living and being as we heal our world. And so be one of the first to do that. Start following the tugs of your heart. Start following the breadcrumbs and start realigning your entire lifestyle to accommodate for who you are, to accommodate for your physical body, instead of your lifestyle being in direct opposition to who you are, in direct opposition to the reality of what's happening within you and, and, and around you, right? And I tell you what, that's one heck of a journey. And there is a lot to alchemize along the way. There is a lot of worldviews, beliefs, opinions, ideals to shed. This is a path of unlearning, of unraveling. And that's why seeking to know, love and understand yourself must be a place above all else. Otherwise, you're just not going to make it. Otherwise, you're just going to throw it in. Because we'll just subscribe back again to culture and what the world's saying and what your mum and your dad and your best friend and the guy down the street saying you should do. We'll just fall straight back into that. Like I said in the last podcast episode, we live in a noisy world. And as long as we keep just listening to everyone and everything, you will continue living in opposition to yourself. Because the true place that wants to pave the way for you, where you will find your destined path and you will find your deepest fulfillment, is by following the soft calls of your heart. Right? You've got to tune out the sound of the world to tune in to that inner wisdom. And you find that inner wisdom when you walk the inner road. And that, my friends, is why my business is called The Journey Home and why I brought it into the world. This is my service. And where is it birthed from? The depths of my suffering. And that's why I have to celebrate it. Because holy shit, I would not trade in what I do for anything. <laughs>
I would not trade in the breakthroughs that I witness in my clients every day for my health to be thriving. I wouldn't. No way. I'd go through it all again to then see the impact that it's had all over again. I'd go through it all again just for the impact it's had on my life and the way that it's reshaped me. But I had to let it reshape me. And to let it reshape me, I had to take responsibility for it. I had to allow it. I had to accept it. And I'm still, there's more. I can accept deeper. I can allow deeper. I can take more responsibility. And I'm going to continue walking that path. I'm going to continue walking that path because that's the only path that actually exists. And I'm devoted to it. And my suffering is still here. So there's still more for me. There's still more for me. But I'll accommodate for myself as I walk that path. (sighs) That's all I have to share with you today. And like I said, there are so many other things that support me. And um, I'll, I'll really start to take note of some of those things as they come into my field of awareness. Like I said, this becomes second nature. It's hard for me to even pinpoint what I do because it's just it's just who I am now. But as I, as I pinpoint more, I keep writing them down and I'd love to do more episodes like this because um, it's important to talk about because so many people are suffering behind closed doors, living in opposition to their own lives, in misery. And that was me. And we don't have to keep living like that. We really don't. And as we start to dig in, you not only, it's not just my health's going to get better, but oh, you will unlock this fierce creativity that lives inside of you that you are destined to bring into the world. And that's the biggest travesty that happens is when we don't access that because that's what heals us and heals the world. Thank you for joining me today. I'm going to go lie down now and breathe and rest and hold beautiful space for myself. I'm so proud of me. I really am. And I need to, I can't finish this episode without giving a shout out to Bevan. In the way that he's really modeled that self-love to me and as much as I've dug in and and done all of that work he really created a safe space for me to be able to do that not that that's a requirement that's not a requirement but I definitely had an added bonus and um you know he's supported me so beautifully through this journey and continues to support me so beautifully and I love that I'm now in a place where I get to in equal parts support him back for because for very many years we're coming up in April we will have been married for 10 years and for seven eight years of that marriage he has just been carrying me and I haven't really had much to give And in this last couple of years, I've really got to experience this reciprocity in our service to one another. 
and seeing like I finally, because I dug in and I accommodated for myself and I found the purpose in my pain and started to bring myself back to life, I have the capacity now to support him in the way that he supports me. And I think that one of the biggest ways that I actually inspire and love and support him is by owning my own suffering and dropping deeper into it and no longer being a victim of it and not complaining but being empowered by it and and speaking these words of understanding of myself. I think that is part of my biggest service to him, is him getting to see that in me. Um, And just, it's beautiful. I feel like there's lots I want to say about that and I'm just... I think I'm so tired now that I just can't access it. <laughs> I'll do an episode on it later. We got time, guys. We got time. <sighs> Thank you for joining me. I love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to me. It really does. And I'll see you for the weekly ponder next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is such an honor to bring my heart directly to your ears. The TJH podcast is in her early days. So if you could take a quick moment to leave a rating on Spotify or write a review on Apple Podcasts, I would be extremely grateful. And if you enjoyed the episode, I encourage you to share it with a friend to help spread the Journey Home message far and wide across the globe. I deeply appreciate you and I will chat to you again very soon.